The year is 1969. The crew of Apollo 11 make their historic landing on the broken surface of the moon. In Paris, North Vietnamese and American diplomats begin the negotiations that will end their bloody and unpopular war. Many things are happening. Meanwhile, in a snowbound field in rural Poland, a man waits anxiously for the arrival of a former colleague and old friend, a celebrity physicist recently returned from a rare trip to America. Over the coming weeks, the pair will spend their days reminiscing and reliving days spent in science labs and lecture halls years ago. But why has this visitor really traveled to this unnamed and dreary backwater? This, of course, is the question at the heart of Christoph Zanussi's 1969 film, The Structure of Crystal, a slow and melodic meditation on what it might mean to live a happy life and how we might confront infinity and our own death. Ralph, are crystals a podcaster's best friend? <laughs> that was a beautiful intro, Owen. Cheers, um, man. I wrote it myself. Yes, I think crystals, um, I think the film The Structure of Crystals perfectly crystallizes something hey. that our podcast celebrates in its, uh, in, its in its medium, the medium is the message, mm -hmm. uh, of two guys chatting about something. Right, Marshall Lewin. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it's that sort of the way in which I suppose expertise often becomes the prism through which, uh, men bond i think you know when i talk about male it's obviously lots of generalizations and stuff kind of, but just as a, in a as a feeling it comes across to me that um this film uh conveys something quite special and not something that many films touch on it's not a classical theme of films um that centering this the tensions and the delights of two guys who've known each other for a very long time and work in the same industry um yeah yeah to it's yeah it's very much a film in its heart a fantastic film this is the first film that i think universally we have lauded and loved and celebrated um mm. and, not and probably the least really and the least well known as well probably least well known and the least in a lot of ways complicated this is not a complicated film really mm. it's it, its subtlety belies quite deep philosophical musings. Um, mm. But at its heart, it's a film about friendship. And I think it's very important not to lose sight of that. So obviously the the scene I kind of set out in the introduction, uh, this, this, this snowbound field, this beautiful establishing shot of this snowbound field is where one of the characters, Jan, Jan um, waits for his friend Marek, Marek being the sort of, global, globetrotting, celebrated, suave, worldly uh, scientist. And Jan used to be a colleague of his. They both were successful scientists in Warsaw. Um, Marek continues to live that, that life and has achieved great success. He was teaching in Harvard for a while, um, which would have been very unusual in 1960s Poland. Um, and Jan gave all of that up five years ago um, to become a sort of humble... Uh, meteorologist in the Polish countryside in this small out of the way village which we learn is a four hour drive from Warsaw um, and he's adopted this very humble simple saint life 
existence. And that really is kind of the the setup, isn't it? You've got Jan, who is simple and humble um, and content, but we can explore the idea of contentedness in a bit. And we've got Marek, who sweeps in with his fancy car and his polo neck and his roguish good looks. Um, and kind of the film sets it up as this, would you say like a kind of almost like an opposition between two kind of complementary but contradictory ways of life yes i mean there's a kind of um there's a conflict i mean all good narratives have conflict but it's striking when you look at a film as gentle as this one how mm. how the conflicts um play out a realized quite yeah. a subtle level yeah um and i think things not you know I'm conscious with this film that people are less likely to have seen it, so I don't want. I'm not going to give away spoilers, although I don't really believe. Uh, spoilers, that's a good but, point. Are we a pro um, spoiler podcast? I'm sorry, because like, you know, if if we were like, if this was the Criterion cast, we would treat the idea of being like careful about spoilers to be really fucking neaky, and we would just like treat no, it. No, I like see. A I'm system, not neaky about spoilers, you know? but obviously there are things like The yeah. Wire where like it's really annoying if someone tells you when string a bell. Or somewhat, you know, well, that was a spoiler oh, itself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Watch yourself. Um, but you know, yeah. like the, there's, um, it's not so spoiler to say that like there, are, the tensions that are, are reached in this film are kind of like relatively innocuous in in, in other in other film spaces. You know, a, a firm mm. word or a kind of stolen glance is about as mm. far as some of these tensions rise to and in a way that's kind of um that's beautiful it, it, it's no less it's no less incisive than a film than a more violent film might be but it it yeah. it, 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 it it you know it has a soft I mean, touch to it it's easier it's easier to watch it's like a film that you if you're feeling a bit stressed out you know uh, yeah you, it's a very it's a very soothing enjoy film. This film it'll soothe you yeah yeah because it's got this this central kind of tension, this this subtle interplay of lifestyles, is at the center of this film, as is the friendship. And in a way, Jan and Marek embody two different ways of life, two different trajectories that their, their lives have taken. But the film doesn't kind of use them as empty vessels to kind of explore existential um, contrast. They're not like this man is A, this man is B. It's actually a lot more subtle than that. Because that, that is true, you know, Marek is worldly and impatient and, and ambitious and Jan is not those things. Um, he's content. Um, and obviously Marek throughout the film probes and prods Jan's happiness. He constantly questions, you know, in a very direct way. He calls his life banal. He questions uh, Jan's interest in the locals who live in the village. He's quite scathing about them. Um, he keeps saying these are the best years of your life. You know, he's very confrontational to Jan, you know, mm. sort of saying you're wasting your talent. Obviously, we get the impression that Jan is, you know, an equally brilliant scientist, um, perhaps more so in a lot of ways. Um, but this kind of central tension, it doesn't kind of just set them up as these two completely contradictory elements because there's a real fondness and like this, this underswell, this groundswell of emotion and feeling between the two men. Like they really do get on. And there's some lovely mm. moments in the first kind of half an hour of the film um, where they're just kind of like hanging out, you know, they're kind of making faces in the mirror and like playing games and racing each other in the snow and 
pointing at each other's bald spots. It's like, it's rare to see that even in like a, a kind of very modern film, a male uh, bond and relationship shown in these very easy, casual, kind of, in a way, like platonically romantic ways. Like it's a really loving friendship. I don't think I've ever seen that in a film before where I felt like a male bond was shown in, in that depth while still retaining like Zanu C's over, overarching like intellectual argument it's amazing that it manages to do both could you i mean could you like talk us through like could you talk us through like i'll be jan you be marek <laughs> that's well, like you're the one wearing the so, glasses so it makes sense right <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i'm thinking and i live in wood green which is like, yeah and I noticeably much much yeah so i am i'm actually in remote poland <laughs> Yeah, we go should, for it. Next so, time how, we how, hang out, we should race. We should do. I, I was thinking that when I watched them race each other in the snow, it's like I'd I haven't done it for race. ages to just race someone. Because like, you actually don't know. You and I, we have quite similar sort of builds, don't we? So it'll be. It's, yeah, I'm fucking fast though. Hard to do. Are you? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. So tell me, like, yeah, tell me about Marek's kind of worldview and personality, and his kind of objections to Jan's lifestyle. He, he sees ambition as, as an obvious drive. Um, mm. He's been to Harvard. Yeah, he's been to Harvard and contributed to studies there. He's seen some of the West. I mean, this is an element of of historical context mm. we can give. Obviously, this film was made during the communist era of Poland. And um, it, it's a rare case of a story made in Poland that tell, that shows someone having gone to the West and come back. And there's nothing at all polemical about the way that's presented no, either way. Um, it's it quite just, it's almost, almost positive in a way. Yeah, but it's sort of presented as yeah. it is, you know. Mm. He's gone to the West. He's flourished in a certain kind of way, but it's also alienated him from his home. Or mm. he's, it's, there's a, it's created a tension between him and, uh, you know, someone from where he's from. Um which is a natural a natural observation about what happens when people take different life paths um but it's interesting yeah the there is yeah there, there's there's one line in particular towards the end where he says um it makes me sick to see um a man like mm. you living like a pensioner um that's, yes that's He's about obsessed with his age yeah that's yeah. about as far and i don't know I mean, it seems like almost projection in a way like why would you be so concerned with someone else how they use their mm. time but there is where's jan that yeah jan yeah is, go on sorry is, yeah no go on jan kind of Give deflects these. Jan. yeah jan is jan is incredibly content and he's comfortable enough with his decisions in his life that he is not a prototype for his way of life he's not um a preacher he's not kind of abandoned civilization he is simply content and he's extremely comfortable with his 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 humbler simpler way of life because he kind of smirks and smiles when Marek makes his claims and arguments he doesn't get angry with him there's no point where he gets angry with him he kind of smiles knowingly he knows what Jan is trying to do in some senses Mm. um he is I would say Marek is a bit of a cunt at times. <laughs> it's fair to say like he is because he's very blunt and direct, but because they're old friends, it's obviously part of their dynamic. Um, and actually Marek, has, sorry, Jan is, you know, 
happy to accept that criticism. He's comfortable enough in his decision. He's not hiding from civilization, I don't think, because he's comfortable to, he kind of coos over the magazines that Marek brings back from this kind of enlightened America, like the car adverts he looks at, and he's comfortable to look at them. He even drives Marek's car and Disgusting has a some capitalist paraphernalia. <laughs> he's like, wow, this, they're geometrical, he says, which isn't the first mm. time that, like, the idea of geometry, uh, crystalline structure is used as a visual and intellectual metaphor in this film, obviously in the title itself. And I think there, Marek, obviously, and his wife, Anna, and we also understand they have a couple of kids, but the kids are kind of introduced, I think, and dismissed quite quickly, or they might just be school kids. There's a bit of the beginning. I don't think it's that important. Um, and also his dad is hanging around, right? This old dude. I, th- I think it's that Anna's dad, his wife's dad. Oh, right, yeah, it might be that scene. Yeah. Really... Yeah, he's, that's, I like the dad. It doesn't really say anything. And they, they have a wonderful dynamic, like the dad, Anna, and Jan. They kind of, like, fool around. It's not, this isn't, like... Okay, so my main parallel with watching this film is as a couple. One of those is Chekhov. And Chekhov is invoked uh, directly at one mm. point in the film by Marek. And they're sitting around the dinner table um, and not talking. I think one of them is just playing cards while someone's reading. It's very silent, drinking tea. And Marek starts making these pointed observations to go, oh, it's just like a Chekhov plate. The only thing we're missing is the samovar. <laughs> and it's great and it's a great moment and he's like and Anna's you know sort of kind of like toys with him a bit and then Jan says you know don't you like Chekhov and he's like it's very boring it's very depressing and he's really dismissive of their really lovely way of life and their contentment and there's that inv- invocation of, of Chekhov and Chekhov obviously like almost suffocates like the Eastern European imagination about the rural life you know, mm. because this is basically the plot kind of a really simplified version of Uncle Vanya, where you've got this academic from the city who is this, this up, upstart adjutant, and then you've got these peaceful people. You've got Sonia and Vanya and the granddad and stuff in, in, in Uncle Vanya. So there's this kind of way that would you say that, yeah, Marek is pushing their contentment and he's almost like he's a scientist trying to understand it. Would you say that's fair? And what, in what ways does he do that? Well, yeah, he um, he. There's the one moment that's quite memorable actually is when he's talking to Jan. Is it Jan or Jan? I don't, I don't know. Let's uh, just alternate between Jan and Jan. That's what I'm yeah, doing. That's, yeah. Fine, doesn't matter really. Um, <laughs> Jan, um, Jan, uh, Jan's wife is. Um, she, I think she's called Anna. I can't remember. Anna. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. Um, there's a conversation where Anna asks Marek about um, about his love life, and um, and he sort of says, "Oh, you know, oh, it's marriage isn't for me." You know, I'm, he sort of gives the impression that he's a bit of a Lothario, but like that it's, yeah. it's a bit of a mess, really. That he's sort of not really able, just has commitment problems. Um, and at that point, I think you see a kind of friction, and and you see a little bit of the dream. There are two different paradigms being lived out, and mm. and Marek feels very resigned to his. Um, in many moments, you feel that Marek's is experiencing exterior validation, but kind of in a turmoil. Whereas for mm. Jan and his family, the inner and the ex- 
the interior and the exterior are kind of in harmony. They are in harmony, and that's the, the metaphor again of the crystal. You know, crystal is this perfectly harmonious, organic, natural structure, um, which all life tends towards. And there's an interesting scene where Marek gives a lecture in a sort of local community hall, um, sort of presenting the findings from his research um, to this kind of mildly disinterested audience, but, you know, whatever. And he gives this slide presentation and he's talking about his research. And it's the first time we really understand in a kind of direct way what he does. And his research involves um, artificially creating crystals. Um, and I think it's kind of, kind of a nicely on the nose um, metaphor, really, that he is interested in the propagation of artificial beauty and harmony, whereas the implication is that Jan, Anna and the villagers and so on are naturally crystalline and naturally harmonious and perfect. Um, and he sort it's of very, says very this sweet. line where he's like, is, yeah. And it's like, it's an interesting bit where he's like, he says in the lecture, oh, you know, one day he says, we've overcome nature, which, you know, its ways, he's actually kind of parroting a, a particularly Soviet pre predisposition, you know, that nature has been conquered by man. He says mm. this, um, and I don't think for a minute this is like a subtly anti-communist film. Fuck all, no way is it like that. Um, but he kind of says this position, um, which wouldn't be unusual for a scientist to hold this view, I suppose. Um, and he says, you know, one day we will be able to create crystals that are more beautiful than those that come from the earth. So in a very direct way, he's, he's an artificer of, you know, created fiction, fictional beauty. And obviously, as we learn, this is a process that's ongoing. They haven't perfected it yet. And I suppose... The argument is that natural crystals will always be more beautiful. And he says salt, you know, naturally salt, if left alone, will crystallise um, salt of the earth, maybe. Um, so I think there's these, like, obviously these tensions boil, uh, explored at a kind of scientific and intellectual level. Um, and it kind of comes to a head because Marek pushes and prods. And, I mean, maybe the one time that Jan claps back is this line that kind of resonates actually and I've been thinking about a lot is when he says to Marek he says haven't you ever considered that taking a breath is the proper way to live um so the idea he's taken a, a step out from the heady rush of like metropolitan life and he's like well maybe that is what we're supposed to do it reminds me of um a quote from Marshall Rosenberg the uh, non-violent communication guru um where it's about mindfulness and he says um one of the chapter headings is um uh don't just do something stand there uh, <laughs> which I, which I love. that's really i've got a post-it post really... note above my desk that says that and it's it's helpful uh, for i've sure. got this beautiful you... image of you standing there in the morning <laughs> invoking it under your breath because there is a sense of that because like again is um jan is teaching so anna is a primary school teacher and he's he's teaching her some sort of advanced science and so on. And there's a really sweet scene where they're just kind of studying together. And she asks about entropy um, and asks Jan to sort of explain entropy. And he's like, he explains it as a calming down. And so the implication again is that this is a kind of entropic way of life, which is the natural, um, the as it were, the natural progress of, of all matter is towards entropy. All life will will persist towards entropy, a state of entropy. Um, so in a way, you know, again, it's another way of saying that Marek is kind of artificial. 
And I don't think that when I was watching, I was like, again, I don't think Zanussi is saying that we're supposed to dislike Marek. Um, he has disagreeable qualities, but it's almost like it, we're not supposed to, again, see them as these starkly opposed character types because he's actually a human. We're just supposed mm. to think that maybe he's actually, like you said, like you said, you know, he's got inner turmoil, probably. And I think it expresses himself like people, a lot of people with inner turmoil, he kind of lashes out um, rather than looks inwards. So there's a point where he tries to seduce Anna, doesn't he? Yes. Which, I, you know, yeah, I, was, what... I was gunning for him the whole way. I was like, come on, steal his wife. <laughs> Why not? Come on. <laughs> the boss moves, was... you know. But it's depraved. This is like pure very cruel, horrible alpha. thing to do to someone. Yeah, it's horrible, funny. Horrible. I, this I, is I, pure I, alpha behavior. I lived through that, that uh, ambivalence. <laughs> Did you? Recently? No, no, I mean in the watching the film Plus, i know project you're projecting yeah but it's a good yeah yeah yeah. it's a good um it's an interesting scene isn't it because she obviously rebuffs him um but he's obviously trying to steal the kiss not not because i don't think he's interested in her i think he's just again trying to upset the apple cart because he can he yeah he i think of... he's actually upset by like how how comfortable and easy their love is and i think that's very understandable yes, i think yeah when you sort of um, when all you know is kind of struggle and want and mm. um, and uh, like contradiction, which I think someone who, who grows up in communist yeah. Poland and then goes off to work in the West probably feels deeply contradic- contradictory all the time. I think there's an element of like almost a desire to infect others, t- you know, to be like, well, like, why can't mm. you, why can't you see what I've seen? Why can't you come and and live this the the it's like when you've seen something a bit gruesome and you want to tell your friend about it just so that you're not the only one <laughs> knows of it i think there's it's a loneliness in marek that he like he wants to um yeah share his his share yeah. his kind of worldly successes which he he sees as external validation like you said and he wants yeah to but in a sense them. he wants yeah he wants to transmit that that difficulty to his mm. he, yeah he said it, it frustrates him that someone could just be content without that but actually yeah. in a way probably there's some sense of regret that he hasn't been able mm. to find content because they himself. don't they don't care really this is a nice thing like like i said you know jan kind of picks these things up and he's comfort- content enough in his life it's not like he's going to disintegrate if he sees you know an american card but and escape to the west he's not like that he's very much comfortable in his convictions um you know there's a scene where uh, they're looking at photographs. That, um, there's two scenes with photographs, actually. And photographs play an interesting role structurally and editorially in the film um, in a few places. But there's a kind of diegetic um, photographs where uh, they're looking at these little clips. It snaps. He's obviously taken in America. Or, and they're looking at them. And for him, they're obviously, he's showing off that he's seen the world. But they're kind mm-hmm. of more having fun with using this little mini handheld projector mm. and they keep holding it the wrong way around and they're kind of playing with it and it kind of really means nothing to them it's just a toy so his worldly successes and his his accolades are just fucking toys to them but not in a cruel way they're just like oh this is a bit of fun they don't really care and they're not impressed they just care about him as a person and i think you you have that and i think it kind of comes to a head when we learn something um a little bit uh not morbid but a little bit um, dark about Marek's scientific background. Do you know what I'm referring to? The no, I've forgotten. Um, I, I've oh, watched two um, films since I saw this film. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, this Amber is the 
You are voracious. It's good. Just tell um, me the plot detail. It'll come back to me when you tell it. Okay, so it's when he's talking about his research um, that led to his breakthroughs that he's he's celebrated for, and it turns out that he had kind of implied that he'd kind of stolen the research from somebody else or had not assisted somebody and Jan puts it in very stark terms he says you stabbed him in the back yeah and it's like this guy is kind of I don't think he stole research but he someone else was doing it at the same time and he didn't share his findings and he was he kind of took the credit and that's the basis of his his career in a way has been this kind of intellectual kind of selfish act of this act of intellectual selfishness um, whereas Jan is really happy to share and Jan's, you know, obviously does his meteorological experiments, which look really fun, um, taking measurements and stuff. Uh, and he also plays around making this little synth light bulb machine. Do you remember? And he's just like, oh, I yeah. just like soldering. He's such and a loser, Jan, is... man. Yeah, he's such, he's such a beta cuck, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I mean, that's the kind of beauty of it. I mean, that's, yeah, mm. I... I I I um this might be a good moment to sort of widen it out to talking about films that depict male friendship generally. I know that like it's funny because like with this like that's a theme I I'm very interested in generally because it's not something that um there are more films probably about female friendship than there are about male fr- friendship. Yeah. Overall, well, what more did I about romance generally? But um, well, what did I tell you? This is this is male Francis Ha. <laughs> <laughs> it totally is, but there's very much yeah. There's this very much like this this like you said this genre of I think it's quite more, much more normal to see a, a a film about friendship um, among women and perhaps not mm. for men. I think, but it, weirdly, like the parallel that I was thinking of was um, Winter Light, like Bergman's Winter Light, wow. which I think is like. Yeah, which I think is like the counterpart to this film in that they share certain preoccupations. They're fundamentally about the relationship between two people. So, you know, in, in Winterlight's with the teacher and the, the priest or whatever. Um, and you've got that dynamic. <clears throat> and in Winterlight, which is obviously 1963, um, you know, the Winterlight is like the dark brother of this film. Whereas this, where this, where this film it's is fun and light. such an interesting double bill, wouldn't it? Winter, in oh, Winterlight. And, um, Zanussi's structure, structure of crystal because I think Winter Light is again you've got the character going through this deep existential malaise but he's you know he's he's asking how can I live in a world where like nuclear war is possible like mm. my, my death stands before me and the so that's the guy the guy Johan person who visits the the, mm. the priest but the priest they yeah. both have crises and one of them this is not a spoiler one of them kills himself really early no. in the film and um, fucking hell and yeah. it's god Winterlight is just it's one of my favourite films of all time but it is like 100% yeah, it's, but it's so bleak it's fucking cold do you, do you agree do you see the kind of parallel I do I, I'm, I'm struggling that, but I, yeah. it's, it's piecing itself together for me um, yeah I just think there's like yeah this interplay between two characters and in Winterlight they're inconsolable they can't these, mm. these two people cannot reach out and help each other whereas here they kind of despite their intellectual differences they can their bond of friendship and empathy mm. unites them still. It's quite a positive film. There's nothing really cynical about well, they are Crystal. They are gentle with each other. I mean, mm. now I think about the, him trying to get off with the guy's wife, I, I, sort of, I suppose, somewhat yeah. undermines what I'm saying. But like, there is a, there is yeah, like all, the, all, the, all the playful... I think, I think that's just cinema. I think, in a way, like, 
him having to him making a pass at the guy's wife is like mm. the cinematic way of depicting the fact that like he was probably looking at his yeah. friend's wife's bum a lot which is you know <laughs> literally that um because yeah he's he's coveting the like you said this easy comfortable love they have yeah like he's thinking oh what, what if what if this that. was my what if this was my life like yeah and he sees and it shows he, can, he, he tries to sort of grab it but he can't grab it because it's actually a lifestyle mm. you know you can never grab a lifestyle with exactly. you have to dedicate the hours to it you know can't grab the lifestyle yeah, you have to live the lifestyle you can't just like switch to it yeah you have to cultivate it you have to cultivate the lifestyle and he can't understand that because again treating it kind of like a scientist he's treating it like a scientific research that he can seize um like a, a car he could buy in america it's something that won't yield to his desire um and then there's really interesting things because he's constantly like confused by yan even though they love each other as friends mm. you know they're deeply committed to each other they obviously got these deep bonds right but mm. he continually questions why yan does stuff and it's like they go on this walk to the cemetery and yan kind of brushes the snow from this grave and Marek's like why do you do that if you don't know the person uh, yeah, it's just like whatever <laughs> it just doesn't matter because yeah. he's a creature of pure present and it's like a quite I can't remember it there's quite a kind of pithy um, ingra- inscription on the gravestone isn't there that's like um, a kind of memento mori thing it's like but it's kind of a, a, an acceptance of the infinite and acceptance of death because that does a, a creep up quite a few times you know where like um, Jan is reading a lot of philosophy and kind of talks I think he's looking at like Thomas Aquinas and stuff like that. He's and he's showing him philosophy, and he's really been thinking about the infinite um, and man's place, um, you know, in a world where we will all die and that's inevitable. But he's comfortable with that, whereas Marek just gets really like confused and kind of dismissive and bored, and he's like, I don't have time to think about this. He's you know living life. So you can meditate when you're dead. Is, one, is something he says at one point. <laughs> yeah, I Does mean, he actually it, say that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very. Um, I think he says that. Maybe I, I think I'm pretty sure he's in, in the scene about breath. Um, yeah, but, um, there is. Yeah, I, this is this is go with that. That's in the film. That, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, everything I've ever said is in this film. <laughs> <laughs> the um the other film actually I wanted to mention was My Dinner with Andre uh by Louis Mal yes. which is sort of most notable for being this 2 hour dinner conversation between um Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory two giants of theater and I suppose cinema and a very very niche joke in an episode of the Simpsons as well. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I probably have seen yeah, that so before I'd see saw the the film. It's turned uh, into an arcade machine that I think Oh wow! Yeah, it's yeah, good. I'll send it so to you. Send it to me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I love that. I love so. My dinner with Andre is these two theatre guys that meet up, and one of them has been around all around the world, and he's he's done exercises with Grotowski. He's gone to the Finnish hills to do something, some eccentric performance art practice mm-hmm. where he gets buried alive. Um, and Wallace Shawn the whole time has just been hanging out with his girlfriend and like working on plays in uh, in in New York where where they where they both now live and um mm. and yeah and and uh, andre makes these great grand statements about the world and the sort of sickening effects of modernity and all these things that honestly like I, there are so many f- films like patrick keeler's london falls into this category like where old mm. men moan 
about how sickening modernity <laughs> is in the 20th yes, century yeah. when modernity was far less sickening than it is now. <laughs> but like, it's also I'm like, like, dude, have you seen Twitter? Like, you're complaining <laughs> about, like, there being a fucking advert in your newspaper? Gee. <laughs> <laughs> Little do you know what's around the corner. Yeah. It's like that meme where it's just like, oh, you complain about society, yet you live in society. <laughs> it's that fucking meme, isn't it? I, but no, but it's a kind good of, parallel. Yeah, but Andre, they're both friend, They're both close friends, and and and, and Wallace Shawn sort of has his jaw a, a open for most of the conversation because he's sort of he mm. he something's changed about his friend, and he finds it slightly alienating. But he's also immensely curious, and he also sort of knows yeah. that this is a thing that will always happen with his friend. That his friend will will want yeah. to venture outwards, and and that he won't. And 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 this, the, at the end of my dinner with Andre, Wallace Shawn goes. He gets the cab home, um, and he rem- he looks on all the the streets in New York, and he remembers like where like how they fit into his childhood, and he sort of reflects on the fact that he's always been in New York, and that he probably always will mm. be. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's probably the perfect like uh, companion piece in a way. Um, also, Women in Love by Ken Russell. Mm. Which is which is my I've favorite film time. about about male friendship, and I'm I haven't really seen I'm, it in a long time. Oh, you've got to. I mean, obviously the naked wrestling scene is very famous, but I mean, it, people. It really it's a weird gripe to have, but like people always describe <laughs> um, the naked wrestling scene as like as like homoerotic or gay, and it's kind of funny because mm. they um, in Brazil they censored it. Uh, so oh, that they, which suddenly went, makes it erotic when it wasn't. Yeah, before. yeah, it went straight yeah. from the two men like like uh, undressing by the fire to them like breathing heavily like on the floor. <laughs> Whereas like one yeah, seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in the uncensored <laughs> version, like you see them wrestle naked, and it's it's not they don't have sex. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not I, in my view it's not homoerotic. It's just like no. it's two guys well, like yeah, fighting, which is fun. It's just great it's fun. An intimacy. It's great fun. There's that intimacy in, in Structural Crystal as well with their play fighting, with their um, their friendly competition. And we learn that's essential. That's obviously an integral dynamic to their friendship, this competition. But whereas for Jan, it is simply a forgettable thing, an event in life. For Marek, this is like this this all-consuming ambition is to be compete mm. and to, to push and to prod and to question and to challenge. And again, we're not... Zanussi isn't telling us that that is bad. We're just seeing that maybe that is not a path to uh, contentment and joy. And we see that, you know, uh, Marek finds all these ways to kind of chip away at Jan's armour. But again, Jan is too content and too too uh, secure in his convictions and his belief to be disturbed. And obviously, it takes on this spiritual dimension, not just because cause obviously God is everywhere in this film. Um, or at least the sense of the infinite. And Marek continually calls um, Jan a kind of holy fool, almost, like that kind of type character so from cool. Russian literature. Yeah, it is. It's bad, man. And, he, you know, he calls him a saint, and he says you're living in a kind of cynical, you know, kind of snide way. He says you're living life mm-hmm. of a saint. You're living a stoic existence. And he believes that, you know, like I said, Jan is wasting the best years of his life. But obviously the things that Marek holds on to, all these little, all these little contests and antagonisms, um, Dian doesn't care about. You know right at the beginning that they're looking at photos and Marek says, do you remember we argued at this time? 
Mm. And Jen says, no, I don't remember. And he's like, when was it? And Marek's like, oh, 1950s. And he's like, oh, yeah, April 1955. <laughs> and he just remembered the fucking month. He remembers everything. He's obviously not let this go. This kind of pointless argument. And Jan's just like, yeah, I don't remember at all, whatever. And just moves on. Mm. Like, he's so unfazed by the past. But not completely, because we do learn the event that precipitated Jan moving to the countryside was potentially an accident that may have happened during a mountaineering expedition of some sort. Um, and it's mentioned really briefly. And he spent six months in bed uh, in a kind of hospital confinement um, and then kind of retired from science and became a meteorologist in the countryside. And we learn this, obviously, this, this, this crucial moment in his life led to a period of deep reflection and led him to change the way he lived and to abandon, abandon um, Warsaw and to abandon science abandon a way of life um and we kind of see some still images of mountains do you remember that mm, yes the mountains have a sort of haunting yeah um, it's kind of haunting but then it's that's it and he's not consumed by that it was obviously a crucial moment like uh lever or bridge in his life but he's not consumed by it it marks a change in his life and he's content now on the other side mm. of it and he doesn't revisit it whereas Marek is all about revisiting shit in his life he is he is a messy bitch as we would say <laughs> and he I'm is ve- constantly no go on I'm very impressed by this film's ability to um, talk about the past without um, mm. being like a, you know being too verbal or telling too much there's like there's an immense mm. almost I think because you can tell it's a first feature because there's like um, it's almost like quite pointed the attempts made to be visual like there are all these like mm. the play fighting and stuff and like there's just lots of activities that are kind yeah, of yeah. Are, like are, in, are engaged in to make sure that like their friendship is played out through visual visuality rather than through words but it is yeah it's you know it's fucking vital because a lot of the film is about stuff that that has happened in the past so mm. that's navigated really well through these kind of like you said earlier about how they how they look at the photos and how the the action of looking at the photos becomes more interesting than the photos themselves or you know things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, are all these 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 kind of like you say quite dynamic physical embodied moments which explore or kind of let us glimpse their past without flashbacks or without you know, because we're only seeing these six weeks. He's staying with him for six weeks, um, which is a fucking long time. It's very <laughs> anyway, lockdown. I noticed that all the films we've lockdown. reviewed have been very lockdown, like High Life being stuck in space, Baccarat being in a in a village, village that gets shut off from life, um, Black Power next that we just did for virtue signaling, um, and Love uh, is yeah. like <laughs> Love is <laughs> Love is um, is about like um, uh, stuck in a being, relationship, stuck in a relationship, love. yeah. yeah. And, I think so. Yeah. It's interesting. Maybe all films are about forms of imprisonment, or we're projecting our current imprisonment on the films we're choosing. I don't know. I think that I think, is the the latter is true. Um, sh- should we draw it to a close? I'm conscious that we've I hit think 40. so. We've hit forty minutes. There was one thing I was going to say, cool. and it felt really poignant. But maybe I'll be like Jan, and I'll just let it go. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> you can't just do that. That's like number one rule of broadcasting. Don't like tell people you're gonna say something and then not say it avoid something the audience okay i'll, the, I'll tell the you audience okay, will grasp they it. won't like it our our 
like like huge readership audience will uh, abandon us um no there's one thing i liked which is a very again a kind of subtle thing about composition and about the aesthetics of this film uh which was the music actually Mm. um and there's that i I realized that um mark's kind of associated with jazz he constantly puts the radio on there's lots of jazz and then at the very end of the film when he fucks off back to warsaw and jan goes out onto the snow and he looks through his telescope and he's just happy studying the stars. Um, we suddenly get some classical music playing, um, which had begun at the beginning of the film. And the piece is kind of restored, like Marek fucks off and Jan's life continues like a patient stream. And I think it's a very nice little nod. I, I like the association of characters with particular um, music. It's very Peter and the Wolf. Mm. Well, yes, I mean, it's, um, it's roots are in opera and... and... Mm. And one must be rooted in one must. traditions. <laughs> one um, must. Did you say you had I, a quote to play us out? Yeah, do you know what? Um, I had this, like, it's longish, so we can uh, cut it. But we were talking about Chekhov, right? And yeah, yeah. at the uncle, end of Uncle Vanya, um, we should say actually very quickly that Marek does not manage to convince Jan to return to the city, which is what he's trying to do the whole time. Like yeah. the like no, which is hardly a surprise because it's very unsurprising. It's hardly a spoiler because it's hu- it's highly unsurprising. Um, yeah, he's not convincing. He's not convincing. But I kind of wanted to read the end of Uncle Vanya because it's when it's pretty much just Sonia and Uncle Vanya left on their own, um, and it, I think this must have been in um, like Chekhov is on. It was on the curriculum at least in East, like in the Soviet Union. Um, mm-hmm. So he's definitely read and seen this play probably tens of times. But should we do it? Shall I? Shall I read the final monologue from Sonia, um, which kind of encapsulates in a very depressing way what's been going on between Anna and um, Jan. Perfect way to check off. Check off. We <laughs> fucking well done. I should have done. <laughs> um, okay. What can we do? We must live our lives. Yes, we shall live, Uncle Vanya. We shall live through the long procession of days before us and through the long evenings. We shall patiently bear the trials that fate imposes on us. We shall work for others without rest, both now and when we are old. And when our last hour comes, we shall meet it humbly. And there, beyond the grave, we shall say that we have suffered and wept, that our life was bitter and God will have pity on us. Ah, then, dear, dear uncle, we shall see that bright and beautiful life. We shall rejoice and look back upon our sorrow here, attend a smile, and we shall rest. I have faith, uncle, fervent, passionate faith. We shall rest, we shall rest, we shall hear the angels, we shall see heaven shining like a jewel. We shall see all evil and all our pain sink away in the great compassion that shall enfold the world. Our life will be as peaceful and tender and sweet as a caress. I have faith. You have never known what happiness was, but wait, Uncle Vanya, wait, we shall rest. We shall rest. We shall rest. Thank you very much, Sharon. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.